a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Story Connect, the podcast. Helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. And thank you for joining us for another episode of Story Connect, the podcast. This is your host, Stephen Smith. We are recording live from the Kentucky Telecom Association annual meeting in Lexington, Kentucky. And I am delighted to have as my guest today, Miss Hilda Legg. Hilda has a, has, has a long resume here. She is, in addition to being a consultant in the telecom space, and the vice chairman of Broadband Communities Magazine. She's also a former administrator of the Rural Utility Service. And uh, it's a delight to have you here with us today, Hilda. Thank you, Stephen. It's a pleasure to be here. This is a group that I feel very close to and passionate about their work. Well, they, they do a great job here for sure. Um, let's start off telling us a little bit about uh, your time at RUS and um, who you served under and some of the uh, programs and policies that you're particularly proud of that took place uh, while you were there. Well, thank you. Yes, I was very honored to serve in the first term of President George W. Bush. And when I first arrived, we received the 2002 Farm Bill monies, which was a lot of money for broadband deployment. But we were also given three new challenges with that, as opposed to just your traditional telephone uh, and telcos and telephone cooperatives. We were told that we needed to make loans to municipalities, to startup companies, and to wireless companies for the first first time in the agency's history. So that opened up so many more doors, but it also opened up a great deal of risk. Um, and so there's a lot of lessons learned from those first endeavors as we began to make investments of taxpayer dollars into rural America, into those different uh, borrower categories. But probably the most important thing I think I was able to do was uh, Congress gave us some mo- some money to promote broadband in rural areas with not a lot of specific design. And I just came from the Center for Rural Development, where we had tried to build out a wide area network in eastern Kentucky. And I knew the challenges, and this is in the 90s that I'd done that, and they still didn't really know what to do with a broadband or a T1 line. And so we were able to take the learning lessons from Kentucky and mold those into the regulatory requirements for the Community Connect Grant. And now that Community Connect Grant is the program at RUS that has so many um, solicitors. It's oversubscribed every year uh, by millions of dollars, and it's one of the most popular programs. And it goes into very small, rural, unserved areas with a broadband grant program. So I'm very, very proud of that. But most importantly, just working with the good people of rural America and rural telecom and electrics. And those folks do a great job of serving uh, areas that are very difficult to serve. Absolutely. The hardest to serve is is the target, uh, the rural areas, the people at the end of the line. Um, when the REA began, which was the sort of the beginning of RUS, it was about taking electricity to farmers. They were just as skeptical then as in the 30s of electricity as we have been in the last decade of broadband in rural areas. Can we afford it? You know, the lantern works of a morning. Why do I need a light bulb in the in the barn? But when 
when the women, uh, uh, the housewives of the farmers, the farm wives, realized that there was a vacuum cleaner and electric washing machine, they had they decided it was quite worth that five dollar a month membership fee to be a member of the electric co-op, and and so they really did change the world. And broadband is doing the same thing for rural America. The problem is we now have to get to that last mile and people at the end of the line, and that's the most expensive. To your point, yes, sure. And really another parallel with the story that you're telling there is those electric cooperatives really had to play the role of an advocate in, in that time frame in, in explaining how this technology can really make a difference in your lives. And we're seeing that same, we're seeing that same situation with the telcos now. Oh, it's just spot on. They used to go to the county fairs and they would demonstrate the electric wash machines and vacuums and whatever. And so iron and um, and so that's when it began to see people begin to see more of the value and that's what we train the community connect grant I built in a component that said you have to have a public place that has to have around 10 computers you get free internet access and anyone can come in and by the way you have to stay open either one or two nights in the evening or Saturday mornings because if I'm a working person I don't have time to come in and explore what it can do or look up a medical condition that my child just was diagnosed and so to begin to see the value and to get what I called hooked on broadband uh, you had to make it easy and you had to make it accessible so there that's the reason that was such an exciting program to to do and today we still then have to take it to the next level of economic development not just enhancing my quality of life to have high speed but how do I turn that into an economic opportunity you know how can I sell products over in the global marketplace? How do I run a business um, that is connected to five experts across the country, but we do it all, you know, through a a high-speed internet connectivity? And that's why fiber and real heavy bandwidth is really necessary if you're going to drive economic development. Um, job creation, income revenue streams, um, telemedicine, if I can stay in my home, connect to the Cleveland Clinic or wherever, and have the type of quality connection that they are able to actually be able to look and share the medical information. So it's it goes beyond just, you know, something I want to download Net's, you know Netflix on. It's, it's much more serious than that. Absolutely. And you'd made a comment, uh, ask a question in an earlier session about um, you, you'd made a comment about the, the, the people at the local telcos being that expert and getting out into um, the communities and connecting with their uh, elected officials. Tell us a little bit about that. Recap that for us. You know, the people who care the most about the quality service that you and I have in in any industry are the people that are local and that we know. Um, That's why I like my local bank, you know, those kinds of things. So when you had the the major uh, providers, the big guys, as I call them, and everybody had a defined territory, including our small independents and telco cooperatives, when those people got to serving certain areas and serve them well, but then you had the, the major carriers were not going to upgrade their investment in those very remote, uh, costly rural areas. So you, you begin to have this voice from community leaders and elected officials who would say, we can't get, you know, we can't get recruit a business. We don't have broadband. We're still on DSL, you know, just this constant roar from people once they saw like next door, 
the rural telephone cooperative that we have many of them in the state and you know them well they had upgraded their service so you sort of had very much the haves and the have-nots so when the elected leaders began to look around and they knew they could apply for money uh, from RUS the point is running a telephone business a telecom business is much more complicated than most governments are willing to undertake many times and the expertise uh, the legal pieces of it the regulatory and the FCC is much more burdensome than say FERC the electric utility uh, regulatory entity so what I want our guys that are and, and ladies that are um, telephone uh, cooperatives or independents in our rural areas, I want them to understand they really are the experts. They know the head end equipment. They know how to run the lines. They know the regulatory, the legal, the, uh, the aspects of competition. Electrics don't have to compete with another electric provider, but a telephone company has to compete against your local cable company, um, against maybe the larger incumbent provider. So it's a very different scenario. So while we've always been as rural telcos sort of safe in our defined territory, we've having to learn the lessons of competition and standing out and stepping outside that safe boundary. But if the next door neighbor doesn't have broadband and wants broadband, the neighboring county or community or one, I don't know, five counties over, doesn't have to be adjacent, just think of yourself the, as the person who you have the staff, you have the knowledge, you understand the connections with your trade association, with Washington, with your regulators. You have a body of expertise. So go to that community, present yourself. We'd love to partner with you. We would like to help you. Maybe you bring in an electric telco. They have expertise too. They have lines, they have trucks. You're gonna have to get the cost down because you're gonna be serving the most difficult to serve and the most expensive to serve. So the more resources you can bring to the table. But in my opinion, our rural telcos should see themselves as a very key player in going in and meeting that unmet need. And that unmet need is very much in rural America, in the hard to serve areas. And so I just want them to understand how really good they are. If you map the United States, and we have done that, in five, six, seven years ago, even before you saw more broadband being deployed, before the era monies went out, the communities with the greatest amount of fiber in the ground, the greatest amount of, broad, of true broadband services, those were the communities served by a telephone cooperative or an independent telephone company that where it was a family-owned business. So the history is there. The experience is there. We just need to get a little bit more into learning about risk, competition. Um, our, our whole mission is about service. And so um, I'm just, um, I'm very passionate about what these folks can do. I don't know technology, but I know that they do. And I count on them to provide the very best service because I've seen it done. So just, just trying to incentivize them a little bit and um, compliment them and help them to see their own value and worth. What would you say to that communicator, often a communications department of one at some of these uh, smaller telcos, even some of the larger ones, and we even work with some who uh, they have the role of a communicator, but they may also have uh, other administrative duties, even HR duties. I mean, there's all kinds of things 
that some of these have, have to put up with and that they have to, uh, you know, it's part of the hats that they wear. What would you say to that communicator to encourage them and remind them of the story that they need to be telling? Well, I think, it, first of all, it has to sort of come from the heart. Um, if you believe it, it's not just your job, but you really have a passion for helping rural America, your, your community, your neighboring communities. Um, it is about, then you want to tell the good work. You have to believe in the work that you do. You have to believe that it makes a difference in people's lives. And you know, we in rural America are, are very much about helping our neighbors. And so I think if you can put it in that context, not in, oh, it's another to-do list. I need to write another article. I need to document another story where somebody's life was enhanced because they had a high-speed connection. You know, a medical uh, situation was averted. A child was able to study and, you know, scored beautifully on the ACT because they had an internet connection that allowed them to do online, you know, tutoring, whatever it is. Um, if it's all driven about how it improves the lives of people in rural America. So if you can see it as your mission, as your passion, as a reason for what you do that obviously every job has a lot of the less fun things to do, um, then I think your stories will come naturally. And then the other thing is just speak out. You know, I see our people sometimes so, um, when I say our people and our rural people, you know, we're not boastful. Uh, we don't believe, we didn't raise to brag on ourselves, but this is something that's really good. So think of yourself as really uh, an opportunity for other people to learn from as a, as a teacher. And, and, and don't see it as a boastful way, but as one of telling there's opportunity here and we can help you. And the way you do that is to tell how it has helped others because in that way you can be inspiring to others as well. That's great. I, I like the way you put that. We'll, we'll share with our listeners uh, a little bit about Broadband Communities Magazine and the focus of the magazine, the readership, how they might get a copy of that. Well, first of all, they can get a free magazine, which is not very uh, not very many of those today, if they went to uh, the website www.bbc.mag um, and sign up for a free subscription. And really what the magazine is about is promoting high-speed connectivity in all of America, urban and rural. I sort of carry the rural program pieces and uh, and you'll see a lot of communities that have done well in there and you know um, and then you'll see where telephone we featured uh, Keith Gabbard on people's rule um, we featured a number of them electrics and telcos but it's really about just getting high-speed bandwidth across America to make America more competitive so we want our communities to be connected um, it's not um, it isn't driven by any other organization it isn't driven by um, a philosophy other than connecting and high-speed connection is good for the country it's good for economic development uh, and quality of life in this country so you can get it free and then we have we generally have us we have a summit every spring in uh, Texas and then we rotate a smaller economic development conference we have one in Lexington year before last that I chaired the conference this uh, November uh, 7th 8th and 9th we're going to Atlanta Georgia so I'd uh, love for everyone to come down and, and be a part of that as well and then if I might also add um, the Center for Rural Development in Somerset, Kentucky, is going to host a number of workshops in the coming months. The first one will be June the 29th, and we'll be inviting all local elected officials, chamber members, anyone that's interested in how we might get 
broadband in your communities. Um, and we will have, you know, telco providers there, consultants, hopefully the good ones, not the bad ones. Uh, but folks, just again, educate, as we talked about earlier. Here's what you ought to be thinking about. What are the financial implications? You know, what are the regulatory implications? What are What is it that your community needs to think about if you're really trying to figure out how to bring high-speed connectivity? So we'll be starting that round of workshops. And again, the first one is June the 29th. And so uh, everyone would be welcome to that to attend as well. But thank you very much for the opportunity to talk about something I obviously care passionately about. And always, um, Tyler and the leadership at the Kentucky Telecom Association um, have just been stalwarts in, in trying to make Kentucky a better place to call home. So I'm very grateful to be um, a member of this organization. Uh, you're absolutely right. They do a great job. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Again, my guest has been uh, Hilda Leg, and uh, Hilda, it's been a delight to have you today. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. You've been listening to Story Connect, the podcast, recording live here at the Kentucky Telecom Association annual meeting in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, look for Story Connect, the podcast, on Apple iTunes. You can also download it on Stitcher and visit us at storyconnect.com slash podcast to hear all of the sessions that were recorded here at KTA. And until we meet again, keep telling your story. You've been listening to Story Connect, the podcast, a production of Word South, a content marketing company.